Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. And if you're on the West Coast, we're in the morning. And if you're on the East Coast, we're in the afternoon. Happy to have you with us today on this this portion of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Today, we're talking about age expectancy. We're actually exploring the concept of living to be 150 years. And we have an author who says that that actually is possible. Our guest on the phone is Sonia Arison. She's a best-selling author and technology analyst who has studied the impact of new technologies on society for more than a decade. Her brand new book is 100 Plus, How the Coming Age of Longevity Will Change Everything from Careers and Relationships to Family and Faith. It's a national best-selling book and has been featured in top media outlets such as the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, MSNBC, Bloomberg News, Fox News, CBS, and The Today Show. Uh, Sonia Arison is also founder, academic advisor, and trustee at Singularity University, where she's focused on growing technologies and their impact on society. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, really fascinating. And you really are a renowned futurist expert. And today you're going to talk about why we as a society should celebrate these advancements that you're looking at in terms of how people can live healthier and longer. So here's my my first question out of the box is, okay, if we can live longer, can we live healthier? We get a lot of chronic illnesses as we get older. Right. And I think a lot of people worry about that when they hear when they say when they hear somebody say, "Oh, well maybe we could live over 100, we might live to 120, even 150 perhaps." And some people their first reaction is, "Wow, um that doesn't sound so good because I'll just be older for a longer period of time and that doesn't really sound that great." Um but really what what I talk about in my book 100 plus is really health expectancy, not life expectancy. And um, you know, I take a lot a look at regenerative medicine and different technologies that are going to allow people to be healthier for longer periods of time, and um, and the end result of that will be that people will live longer, but they'll also be living healthier. And what are some of those technologies? So um, there's sort of maybe uh, three main ca- uh, categories. There's something called tissue engineering which I'm really excited about, uh, gene therapy, um, mm-hmm. and then personalized medicine. So maybe three buckets you can sort of think about. Um, mm-hmm. Tissue engineering is 
to me seems um, like the lowest hanging fruit and super exciting in terms of really repairing human beings. Is growth hormone included in that bucket? Not really, no. Okay. Yeah, you could include growth hormone in personalized medicine. Okay. Um, you know, the growth hormone thing is... It, that's, that's an interesting question, actually, because you know, some people swear by it, of course. Sylvester Stallone got in a lot of trouble when he was carrying it illegally in Australia, and um, you know, a number of Hollywood types sort of shoot it up, and, um, and it does work to make them thinner um, and feeling healthier. The, the question is, is what's going to happen long-term <clears throat> with growth hormone, because it's a growth hormone, <laughs> and mm. that that could that could cause cells to grow grow out of control. And so it's it's unclear whether or not, um, you know, one scientist I spoke to about this said, look, yes, it might make you feel better for for a period of time, but it's, if you think about the hum, a human being like a candle, you're instead of burning one end, you're burning with the growth hormone, you're burning both ends, and the candle's just going to get shorter quicker. So. Um, so so I, I would be careful about growth hormone, but uh, tissue engineering is something completely different. Tissue engineering is the ability to grow brand new human organs out of a person's own stem cells. So um, already scientists have been able to grow new tracheas and new bladders for real people and implanted them in them, and they worked. So, you know, for instance, there were, there were a number of children who, went, uh, who were born with spina bifida and when they're born with that disease, uh, their bladder doesn't grow with them, which is a big problem, of course, because they have this tiny baby bladder as they get older that doesn't really work. And so the, the traditional way of solving that was to take part of the large intestine and sort of makeshift that into a bladder, but it didn't work very well, and there was a lot of infections and stuff like that. And so um, a scientist named Anthony Atala at Wake Forest University decided back in the 90s, actually mid-90s, that he would try to grow a new bladder for these kids. Mm. And he did. He, 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 he took some extracellular matrix, uh, created a scaffold, if you will, sort of like a, a shell that w- would look like a, like a bladder, and then took their own stem cells and seeded the scaffold and grew mm. it in the lab, incubated it in the lab until it had enough cells on it, and then implanted it in these kids, and it worked. Wow. And to, to this day, um, you know, it's been over a decade since these kids got these new bladders and the bladders have grown with them and he really solved their problem. He grew a brand new organ for them. And it, of course it wasn't rejected because it was made with their own stem cells. Um, so let, so let, me uh, ask you, let me ask you a question then. Why are we still having a lot of people who are donating their organs to other people? Why are we doing more of this tissue reengineering? Uh, well, I think in the future you'll see more tissue engineering um, hit the market. I mean, it's, it's really only, right now, the only people who have gotten these tissue-engineered um, organs are people who, are, who have been part of the sort of research, right, part of the experiment. But all of the experiments are working out. Um, and that said, I mean, it's, the ones that have worked out perfectly so far are the, are the ones that are more simple, like bladders and tracheas. So mm-hmm. no, no scientist has been able to grow a functioning human lung yet, or a functioning human liver, um, but they've done it in lab animals, and so the ne- and, or a heart, right? The, the heart is actually the biggest deal because heart disease is a number one killer in America and in many countries around the world. So to be able to grow brand new heart parts would be epic, really. 
And, um, you know, there's a researcher in Texas who's been working on this for a few years now, and she's made brand new hearts for rats and for pigs. <laughs> and it's worked out very well. And, and that's actually a good sign because, of course, pig parts are used for humans right now. So uh, she said in a news article recently that she thought she'd be doing... Um, she thought she'd be doing human experiments within two years. So that's really, really great. So the reason why you're not seeing a lot of it yet is because it's still, it's still, in, uh, still on the drawing board, but, but it, it'll come. It's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, this is going to revolutionize the way we're doing everything, really, when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, if you think about a human, you know, if you think about how we keep, uh, you know, classic cars looking really great over time, right? And you replace, you replace the parts as they break down. And if we can do a similar thing with human beings, if we can replace parts as they break down, then we can certainly last and be healthy a lot longer. All right, so, but Sonia, let's look at the bigger picture now. Let's look at, you know, the global picture of, okay, so let's say all of these things are in line. Let's say we can live longer, we can stay healthy. Now you're adding more people, uh, more people, uh, more housing. What does it do to our economic and, and our whole lifestyle? Well, it does change the world. And um, in, in order to write the book, actually, I, I took a look back in time because we've increased our life expectancy before in the past. In 1850, life expectancy in the U.S. was only 43 years. Mm. So, and now it's, now it's around 80. So we've roughly doubled mm. it once. And so I went, I went back and looked back in time and said, okay, last time we doubled our life expectancy and health, by the way. I mean, we've also gotten healthier over that time. It's not just that we're living longer. We're healthier. Uh, how did that change the world? How, does it, how did it change the economy? How did it change family life? How did it change uh, the environment, even religion? I took a look at religion, and, and it really does change things. Uh, the, the area that had the most scholars looking at it, of course, was economics. Economists have been fascinated by health uh, and life expectancy and how it, how it affects the economy, and there's really big impacts. And the reason for that is because, you know, if you're sick, you can't work, right? And if you can't work, you're not contributing to the economy. So health really is a driver of wealth. So, I mean, even, even a five-year advantage in life expectancy brings huge, huge dividends for, for an economy. So what scientists and economic folks are going to have to do is really a blueprint, a new blueprint for how will the world look if, in fact, people are living another 40 years. Right, yes. And it will look different, Um, you know, and there'll be snags and issues along the way, but, you know, those those are things that I'd be willing to take. Like, for instance, I think the workplace will... uh, be under a bit of stress because you can imagine, you know, if you have somebody who's 100 years old and still really healthy and still active and working and, you know, and they're at a big company uh, and, you know, they're on a team of people and suddenly somebody joins their team who's 22 and just out of school, there's going to be a huge cultural difference between that Mm -hmm. 100-year-old and that 22-year-old. So there's going to be growing pains in places like the workplace and, um, and, and other areas. Well, you see it now. You see it now between the 60 and 20. Yes, it's not 120, but you do see it now. Yeah. But but then the other question I have is, people are are people having less children? Will it balance out in the spectrum? Right. Like what will happen to population growth? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was actually one of my biggest questions when I started out looking at this um, this area because 
you know, you think about it, if people aren't dying at the same rate, population will probably grow, right? So I, I dug in, and I actually found some demographers who looked at this issue in particular, and they went even more extreme than I did because, you know, my book takes a look at how the world changes if we can live to 150. But they took a broader view, and they said, okay, well, what if, um, and of course they look at Sweden because demographers love Sweden because they can get all the data. It's really easy, um, and that's always their way to experiment. They said, what if the country of Sweden were to become immortal tomorrow? Like, never, no one ever dies, <laughs> living forever. Ooh. You don't even die of an accident, which, of course, is, you can only do that in an experiment, because even if we could live forever, you, people would still die in accidents. But um, anyway, so they said, okay, if the country of Sweden were immortal tomorrow, what would happen? And they plugged in all the data, used the same models as, like, the World Bank and the UN. And um, what they found actually really surprised me. Uh, the population of Sweden would only increase by 22% over 100 years. Which, you know, that's still a decent increase, but it's not nearly as much as you would think it would be. And so I called them up and I said, how come? I mean, that, that just seems like it's really low. 100 years, only 22% with immortal people. And they explained it to me um, in a really good way, I think. They, they said, look, population growth is really fueled by births, not by fewer deaths. And the reason for that is that births are exponential. You can have one, two, three, four, five, like multiple children. And so that's exponential growth, and that's how the population grows. When one person doesn't die, it's only one person. And so with people not dying as quick, it's, it's not exponential. It's not exponential growth. Mm. So that's why, that's why it's not nearly as bad as you think it might be. Yeah, interesting. So and and, in and, and what with, happens with fertility. fertility now with I mean, fertility Do, do people have more children yeah. as they live longer, right. or do they not? Yeah, and as I said, with fertility drugs, people can have three babies at once. Right, yes. So it's, it's actually really unclear what will happen because yeah. there's, there's And, and Sonia, women are, a lot of women are getting pregnant later. They're having yes. children later. Yes, So exactly. it really is Already. shifting. Are you there? I'm losing you. Oh, I'm here, yes. Okay, I, I lost you for a minute. Very, very interesting. So... You talked about three pieces. One was tissue reengineering. What was the second one? Uh, gene therapy. All right, now uh, exp- explain that. That's that's a really powerful um, th- uh, method within regenerative medicine, and it's basically the ability to hack your own code. So just like computers have ones and zeros and all of their software is based on that, human beings have a code too. It's the ACT and G of DNA. And scientists know how to change that code. They always have. They just didn't know what to change it to. <laughs> that was always the problem. And, of course, the human genome was sequenced in 2000. And so we've had 13 years now. And, you know, some people look at that and they say, oh, it's been 13 years and not much has happened uh, and the reason for that, though, is because sequencing genomes is, was very, very ex- expensive. It was in the billions when it first was done and then millions for a very long time. Um, and it wasn't until recently, like literally in the last year, that the price has come down massively. Now an entire human genome can be sequenced for $1,000. I mean, that's, that's a huge cost savings. So now, now, that human, now that genomes can be sequenced so cheaply, 
Sonia, explain to us what that means when you sequence. Explain that. Right. So if you, if you can sequence somebody's DNA, it's essentially right. reading, reading their code. So each right. individual has unique code of the ACTNG of DNA. And, you know, sometimes when, um, you know, something happens to our DNA, we get a mutation that can cause disease. And so it would be very nice to be able to go in and fix that code, right? The human gets a bug, basically, just like a computer gets a bug. Um, there's a mutation. Maybe it ca- it's caused from UV rays from the sun or, um, so, you know. So you are doing that when the woman is pregnant? No, no, no. You do it just to, to adults. So, so let me give you an example of how gene therapy has really helped um, some individuals who are alive today. Okay. Uh, there, there, was a, there was a group of people about a year ago now who had leukemia, adults, um, elderly, well, sort of mid, midlife to elderly who had leukemia. Um, and so, you know, and the nor- normal therapies were not working and all these individuals were going to die. And there's a doctor named Dr. Carl June at the University of Pennsylvania who does gene therapy. And he said, well, here's what, we, here's what would be interesting to do. Why don't we try to change some of their code, their ACTNG, um, change that code to, tri- to cause their immune system to attack the cancer? And maybe that way we can, you know, we can make these people better. And so he took out some of their T cells, some of their immune cells, Mm-hmm. And then changed their genes in the lab. He changed their DNA sequences in the lab, mm-hmm. and then and in in a way that he thought would cause those cells to attack the cancer. And then he grew a whole bunch of them. So this is the the people's own DNA. It's their own cells, their own mm-hmm. tissue. Grew a bunch more of it and injected it back into the patients, mm-hmm. and it started to work. In fact, so well that the doctors got nervous because when, when your immune system starts attacking a disease inside your body, what happens? You get really sick, right? You get a fever. You start sweating. You, you know, like you're ill. Mm-hmm. And all of these patients got really, really sick. Uh, like they're fighting a disease, which, you know, before that they hadn't. I mean, that's the problem with cancer is your body doesn't know it's there and the cancer just grows out of control. Yes. So the, their body started eating the cancer. And, um, you know, unfortunately, with one of them, the, the doctors gave them some steroids to stop the immune system from having such a big impact because they were worried they were going to die. Uh, with the other ones, they didn't give them anything, and they just let their bodies um, fight it out. And the ones that didn't get anything to stop their immune system, the cancer was completely wiped out. It was gone. They were cured. And the why, aren't that, we hearing, why aren't we hearing more about this? Because we're not. Well, it, it was reported in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's a one, and this is why I wanted to write the book, is because, you know, you see these things, or maybe you don't. Maybe you just didn't read the New York Times that day and you missed it, right? Right. Um, and it's there and it's gone. And people go, wow, that's cool, and then they forget about it. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of things that are like, wow, that's cool, and then people read it and then they forget about it. And, and because they're in research phase. I mean, obviously, these patients with the leukemia, the only reason they got to participate in the trial is because they had no other options. I mean, they were about to die, and so they were allowed to join this trial. And so it's not, it's not like you can walk into your doctor's office and say, okay, I want some gene therapy for my leukemia. You can't do that yet. 
It's just not possible. Um, but it is possible for it to work. And so the question is going to be, how long does it take to get from that experience? How many more times does he have to do that experiment before he can actually roll it out to the market and let other people use it who might not be quite as sick? Well, I mean, you know, everything that you're saying, Sonia, gives us hope. I mean, this is really about hope. Now, we're going to have to change the way we think, particularly if people are living a lot longer. Uh, it does it does change everything. It changes the whole puzzle. But what we're looking at are not just possibilities. This information and these sciences and these procedures and techniques are here now. They are. They're, yeah, and I mean that's the thing I always emphasize when I when I talk about this is everything that I cover in my book is real. It's not science fiction. It's actually yeah. been done. Yeah. So, <laughs> real so, people have benefited from this. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it hasn't ruled out on a mass scale yet, but it's real and it's here. Well, and that's let's really talk exciting. about the third one. We have about five minutes left, so let's talk about the third piece. We talked about the gene therapy, and we talked about tissue reengineering. Now, what's the third one? So, personalized medicine which is really sort of a, it's a very broad uh, field of many different things. And that, that could be, um, you know, matching drugs specifically for your genotype. So again, we go, we go back a little bit to the gene sequencing where, you know, some people, you, you can have one drug and one person reacts really well to it and the other person doesn't. And for the longest time, doctors would look at that and go, oh, well, yeah, I guess that's just how it is. We don't really know. We got to just try... Put, and they'll put a patient on five different drugs, and, you know, maybe one of them will work, maybe they won't. Uh, and we now have the ability to be smarter about it because of gene sequencing and because we know that certain individuals with certain genes react differently to different types of drugs. So w- one that's really well known is uh, Wayfarin, which is a blood thinner. And if you have a certain uh, genetic sequence, it's, it's not going to work for you. And for other people, it'll work really, really well, and they'll be really sensitive to it. And, and that's something that even now doctors are test people for before they give them that drug. Um, but in the future, you're going to see a lot more of that where, um, where doctors will actually test a patient's blood first and then figure out which, which drugs to give them so that it's more personalized and it's more effective. Amazing. Which is very, much more efficient and, um, and, and better for the patient. Well, this is all science. You've done this research. So you're a researcher. I am, yes. A researcher and a scientist. Sonia? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear Are you. you. The, I said, and a scientist. Um, well, I write about science. That's what I've been doing for the last 20 years of my career, <laughs> is writing about science and technology. So... So you've observed it firsthand. Yeah, and, you know, I live in Silicon Valley, and I'm around a lot of the people who are, you know, I guess one other thing I didn't mention in that sort of bucket of things that's going to change uh, the world and health is um, also devices, right? Different apps mm-hmm. and things that can help you monitor your health. Mm-hmm. That are, and there's a lot of those on the market already that, you know, can. I'm wearing one right now, actually. I'm wearing an upband by Jawbone, which... Um, it tracks how far I walk every day. It tracks how much yes. sleep I get. You know, yes. and that's, this is only the beginning. I mean, there's other things that are promised to hit the market soon where you can, um, you know, diabetics will be able to check their sugar levels uh, with infrared light instead of drawing blood. And that will be huge 
really yes, huge. Yes, it will. Yes. So we have so much really to look forward to in a yes, positive absolutely. way. absolutely. Now tell people how they can get your book because this is amazing. And the, uh, well, and the they, title, let's talk about the title again. It's 100 Plus, How the Coming Age of Longevity Will Change Everything, From Careers and Relationships to Family and Faith. Go ahead. Right. So, I don't know. I, I buy all my books at Amazon.com, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I'm sure the local booksellers um, are not happy about. But uh, my, So, my book is at Amazon, uh, but you can buy it at, at any bookstore. There's a number of bookstores around where I live that I know sell it. So it's, uh, it's available all over the place. Yeah. L- let me just, there's one thing we didn't talk about. We have three minutes left, and that is how this will affect family. Now, I would think on the positive side, you'll have your grandparents and your parents longer. Right. Yes. Okay. So that's the upside. Although some people could, some people may see that as a negative side too, depending on whether they like them or not. Uh, But you know, families will become much more diverse in the future uh, because there'll be more more people around. I mean, you won't just have your grandmother or maybe your great grandmother. You'll have your great great grandmother, and you know, maybe even the one before that, right? And and then you'll be people will be around longer, so they may get married more times than they do now, and so you have even more extended families that way, and Mm. more combinations, and um, so there'll be a lot more. And you know, people may have. It'll be possible for women to have children much, much later. So you could see women having children into their 50s, maybe even their 60s. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but... Because, um, of, because of fertility? Uh, and because, of, because of the ability to uh, keep women fertile for longer. Yes, that will happen. No, that's good In fact, news that may happen. Be- that may happen before human beings are living radically longer. So that that may create some kind of uh, tension there. But yes. Mm. Well, again, if you have your children later, then children people will live longer. So we're really going to be skewing older. Right. Exactly. But not ne- not it, older is. Yeah, they'll be chronologically older, but not necessarily biologically older. You yes. know what I mean? People yes, will be I healthier. Do. Yes. This has been such a fascinating interview. I really appreciate you coming on the program, and I really hope that our listeners will go to Amazon and get your book, which is 100 Plus, How the Coming Age of Longevity Will Change Everything, From Careers to Relationships to Family and Faith. Thank you so much, Sonia. Thanks, Patricia. Happy to be here. Thank you. Stay on the line. I'd like to chat with you for a minute afterwards. All right, folks, this wraps up Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 